0: And that's one of the things I have so much to thank him for. Uh, She told me don't ever call her sister Becky from the pulpit. So thank you, honey, uh, for doing a great job on that song. Uh, This may not be your stereotypical Thanksgiving message, but I want you to turn with me to 1st Samuel chapter 8 1st Samuel chapter 8 broken crowns I think you'll see uh, why God has led me to this text uh, in just a moment in relation to thanksgiving or the absence thereof uh, I read through this uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and man, it has just hammered on me uh, ever since. And I want you to understand, as we read this chapter, we're literally standing in the middle of not just a cultural shift, not just a political shift, but literally a chapter that changed history. For as God had ordained and led uh, the Hebrew children, had brought them up, had protected them through Egypt, they forgot Joseph, and then God brought them out of Egypt and established the promised land. I thought about this week. Who's the first to ever break the Ten Commandments? Well, come on, Moses, he threw them down first. I came up with that on my own. Write that down. You'll use that. Yeah. Um, So God had established, you know, when we end the Pentateuch, we end the first five books of the Bible, we see Joshua. God's man who had been faithful, a faithful spy. He had said, let's go get it. Him and my hero of the Old Testament, Caleb, said, hey, don't forget me, Joshua. You wasn't by yourself. And those two cats out of 12, two out of 12, you ever feel like you're pulling the load by yourself? You're not the Lone Ranger and you're not the first person in history. And so Joshua leads them across the Jordan, leads them in to the promised land. And we see the, the nation established and we see God said, hey, as long as you'll be obedient, you'll serve me. I will be your God. You'll be my people. I'll be your father. You'll be my children. But if you turn away, I'll turn away from you. And then he established and we see the next book, Judges. And we see those judges. We see Deborah and we see Samson and we see uh, uh, Shamgar and we see those judges throughout that book. Then we come to these books of writing, uh, of history in Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. And when we hit chapter 8, we find this, look at, look at verse 5. 1 Samuel 8 verse 5. The people said, make us a king to judge us like all the nations. And the last verse said, the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, go ye every man into his city. Now, if we had no writing in between, it sounded like that was a pretty nondescript affair. The people said, hey, we need a king. God heard their prayer. God told the prophet, go tell them, make you a king. The problem is the depth and the motivation of their heart and where they stood when they cried out. You see, they said, we want a king to do what? And to judge us. The problem is judges judge king's rule. And so we pick up in verse 1, broken crowns. He said, and it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in the ways, but turned aside after filthy lucre, after the, the money and the things of this world, he said, and not only after this lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment, then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, you're old, Samuel. Boy, that'll bless your heart. They didn't pull that business with Elisha. They mocked him, the she bears ate him. He said, You're, they said, You're old, and your sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Broken crowns. You see, at this time, there was God and there was man. There was God who ruled and reigned. And God has established judges. We know from the time that Moses judged, even his father-in-law said, "Moses, you can't do it alone. You need help." And so they appointed other judges that was uh, a reg- they were regional judges. They were legislative. Ju- they were judges at different levels for different things. But you see, when we take our eyes off the prize, first thing that happens is excuses. Excuses. They made excuses. First of all, was the excuse of a bleak future. It said very clearly here, things don't look good. Your sons walk not in your ways. They turn aside after filthy lucre, took bribes, perverted judgment. Lord, everything just looks terrible. How many times in our life do we make the excuse, God, I'm not going to church because it looks like this person don't like me and that person don't do it and the preacher's too long and the singing's not right and, and, and the Sunday school's not for me. and Excuses, excuses. And it looks like a bleak future. There's enough Debbie Downers in this life without Christians being negative. My wife Felt that We talked about this for two weeks. What are you going to sing? I really want to try this new, but I keep going. It's Thanksgiving. I, I just really need to be on this. I need to be on. We do have so much to be thankful for. Is everything right in America? No. But if you stay on Twitter, you'll think nothing's right. If you watch the news all the time, there is absolutely nothing that's not broken. Everything is messed up. Education, politics, economy, everything is messed up. Church is messed up. The Southern Baptist Convention's messed up. The Georgia Baptist Convention is messed up. Listen, every bit of it has problems down to Eastside and down to my home and down to me. But I am a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And my home is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And Eastside Baptist Church is based on the great command of loving God and loving people. And we have believers who come together. And we may all be jacked up, coming from jacked up homes, out of jacked up schools. But we are God's anointed for such a time as this. And the future is bright. When you're on the winning side, you know, it's like playing a game knowing you already won. The pressure's off, you know, the pressure's off. Just play. And I don't mean that in the way of playing sinfully, but enjoy the game. They said, oh, it's so bleak. Oh, it's so terrible. Everything's wrong, your sons are wrong, you're old, you're this, this, that. The government's bad, and the people's bad, and the land's bad. It's always something. Oh, you brought us out here to starve to death. Oh, that we were back in Egypt eating onions and cucumbers. We like to sit around and talk about the good old days. Well, throw your dishwasher away. You know, get rid of any vehicle that's over 50 years old or or younger than 50 years old. Go back to manual brakes and manual steering. Let's see how good the old days really were. I like remote controls. I'm going to be real honest with you. I like, as my kids called it, the pass through. When I'm in a hurry going somewhere on the road, I don't have to go in, sit down, wait on somebody to come, take my order, bring the food back, even if it's to go. You know, it cost the sheriff when he was trying to catch Smokey. You ain't got time for that business. My kids say, Daddy, just go through the pass-through. And you could pull up and it says drive-through, and you pull up and you order. Now, they even doubled. Man, it is, if, if they would just hire whoever figured out the drive through line at Chick-fil-A to run our economy and our government, all problem solved. I went to Savannah this week, and the only place to really stop right there was Chick-fil-A. I didn't want to cross traffic. I pulled in. Traffic was backed up, turning off of 204 to get in to where it's at. I said, no problem. They know how to do it. Double line. They were people not even on Chick-fil-A property. They were standing out where the line went through the Home Depot parking lot. They're lined up, headsets. I, I I don't know. They're like spec ops people talking with satellites, and they're beaming down stuff. And there's people lined up. And there's like, I don't know what they are. They're lined up after you get your food still out there. I'm like, what are they doing? Giving away door prizes? Three minutes in and out. I like the good new days. And what I'm here to tell you is, in the famous words of that deep theologian Merle Haggard, the good times really ain't over for good. And I'm not talking about the worldly good times. I'm talking about God saving sinners I'm talking about God raising up a standard and a generation that loves him. Who's going to be ordained deacons and pastors and teachers and servants. God is not through. And you know how I know we're still here. It's not that bleak church, but we use it as an excuse. Well, my kids are out of school. My kids are in school. I got this one going to this and I got this one doing that. I got, I'm too busy. Well, we'll get to all that. He said, you got sinful sons. I'm not going to church down there full bunch of hypocrites so is every football game that was played yesterday but you'll still go and you'll still watch it you think there's no hypocrites at Walmart we talk about how bad we hate it and yet we still go that's a hypocrite but we still go Sinful sons, yes. We love to talk about anybody and everybody else. The truth is they had their own problems, right? You know, if you ever listen, because it's easy to get sucked into those conversations when people are standing around talking about others, I want you to ask yourself one thing. What do they say about me when I'm not here? And it will remind you to keep your mouth shut especially if it's about one. Listen, you're going to tolerate. Now, I would beat the brakes off my brothers. And if they happen to watch this today, I'm coming up there. If you want some, I'll give you some. All you want, pack your lunch. But I don't want nobody else to mess with them. Because we're Brothers. I know sometimes we get aggravated at one another, but they're selling their own family out right here. They're selling, and listen, were they messed up? Yes. But let me ask you something. Can God not fix that which is wrong? Can God fix that which is wrong? Can God steer the king's heart however he wants it to go? Can he change the ruler? Didn't he? Hey, did he not change Nebuchadnezzar? Did he change Darius and Cyrus with, ne- with Nehemiah? We'll see that in January. God can do whatever he wants. Stop with the excuses. Well, this generation today. Yeah, and your generation in your day. Well, look what they wear. Well, look what you wore. I'd rather see what a lot of them wear today than look in memories and see what we wore back then. Most, of, You know why churches back then... Had a slope in the floor like that, where it would slope down to the pulpit. That was the only way you could see over women's hairdos, the beehives. You know, about this tall. Everyone has their own issues. We cannot use them as excuse. He said, "Age leaders. Well, everybody down there is old. They don't understand us young people." A little secret. They were young once too. And even though the the hairstyles have changed and the clothes have changed and the names have changed, it's all the same. Solomon told us that. There's nothing new under the sun. It's the same old traps that Satan lays. But we're just dumb sheep that turn around and step right back into them if we don't follow the Lord. Well, the age, they're just, they're too old. They don't understand excuses. I want you to look at this. Now he said in chapter eight that all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel. I want to tell you something. Beware of elders. And what I mean by that, not older people, not people who are spiritual leaders, people who think they know more than everybody else. That's what these elders were. And I want to tell you something. Just because you have gray hair and over the age of 60 does not mean you're smarter than everybody else. And I'm not saying that in a funny way. Read Job. Elihu said, I tried to keep my mouth shut. He said, I didn't want to say anything because older men were speaking. I was raised right if I... And paraphrase. It was not right for me to speak until. He said, there's a spirit of God that has constrained me. The spirit of God has spoken to me. If you take that into the Septuagint, the Old Testament converted into the New Testament Greek, it reads the word that we take of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament in 2 Timothy 3.16 when he says all scripture is inspired it's literally Theonoustos God breathed into Elihu and he spoke a young man he said I said years and wisdom should speak but the spirit of God trumps all that never be too old to learn and be careful when The majority rules. The majority got Israel in trouble. The majority has cost America a lot of heartache. Churches have gone down with a ship. As the band played on because the majority ruled. Beware of elders. I don't mean spiritual leaders that are true elders in the greatest sense, but those false elders. And you know why they made all these excuses? You know what the motivation behind all that was? They were unthankful. We're gonna go into this week. We've already laid out, we've maybe have scoped it out. Like we're going on a big game safari. We've laid out what deals are gonna be found at what time, and whether I even got to go to the store or I can order them online. And we've got every color in the palette designed on every day. And grays and blacks and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and cyber this and giving this and all these other things. I'm going to tell you something. When we become so focused on things that we forget to be thankful for whose, then we've got a problem. Unthankful. You know what they were unthankful for? Past victories. If there's anything that Constrains my spirit reading through 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, and 2nd Chronicles is how many times they repeat the same mistakes. And I'm going to tell you, it's sad when you start reading all the judges or the kings and you read about Jehoshaphat and Josiah. And you read about Joash and Ahab, now Azariah and Amasa, and you read about the judge of the king of Israel and the king of Judah, and he reigned, and while this one reigned, and then he died, and then later this one died, and this one reigned, and this one reigned, and they did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. They did not that which was right as their father David. And once again, the minority was the ones who did it right. How many times did God, you know what? It just really came to me. You know, Becky likes the McCameys, great singers. And one of the songs, the song that put them on the map was God of the Mountain. You know, and she goes to shouting a uh, peg, you know, and hooping it up. That's a bib- That's a biblical story when uh, the Israel went against Benadad, the king of Syria. And uh, so they went after them, after Israel, up on the mountain. And God came and gave Israel a great victory, right? It's biblical. And so Benadad, they came back and told him, because he was sitting back getting tore up. He's drunk. And they came and told him They said, oh, well, he's just, their God is the God of the mountain. We'll go to them in the valley. They went in the valley and Israel whooped them again. Pretty cool story, isn't it? Elijah didn't lead them into battle. David didn't lead them into battle. You know who led them into battle that day? Those two battles. Ahab. The most evil beside Jeroboam. Jeroboam was the benchmark for evil kings. Till Ahab come along. And yet God gave them victory even under wrong leadership. Y'all hear me? God has given us all past victories in our life. How quick are we to forget because we're not thankful anymore? Well, that's old. I was talking with Emily the other day. I said, "What did you get for Christmas last year?" Uh, I was proving a point. Yeah. You know. uh, uh, oh, I got, I got this. I got that. So, and I knew better than question her. She said, "What'd you get?" And before she ever did, you know, it's when I was trying to figure out if she was saved and baptized her. I said. Baby, tell me about what it means to be a Christian. And I asked her so many times, she got there. She said, "What are you a Christian? She said, what would you get for Christmas last year? And my mind went to the pictures from the year before. And so I'm trying to track back. And I'm trying to, real quick, I know it's coming. I'm trying to look through the pictures to see what I got. We forget because... Their things and too often we, we don't praise the Lord enough in the everyday the past victories has God ever given you a victory over something you ever prayed over something some you've been fighting it you know whether it's a relational problem a financial problem a physical problem God delivered you don't be unthankful for God's presence God walked with him hey how awesome Can you imagine all day, every day, this big tornado whipping up in front of you, but you ain't got to worry about dying from it. Y'all ever like watching storm chasers and all that stuff? Real life where you watch where they, man, I love that stuff. I love it. love watching, you know, the, the tornadoes and man, they're getting real close to them and study them and all that. Big deal. Israel followed one for 40 years in the wilderness. And if that's not you ever seen a fire NATO? When you see those big, big brush fires, those big wildfires in California, when the wind starts whipping up out there, uh the Sierra winds, all that, that causes a lot of the major problems when everything becomes dry and that wind hits after it's fire, and, and that the 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 heat of the fire going up and just the makeup of the environment, it begins to build its own tornado made out of fire. Guess what? As soon as the sun set on that dust tornado, there would be a fire tornado that led them by night. Every day. Even when they got tired of it. Even when they ignored it, it was there. Even though they put themselves in the wilderness, all those years, because of their disobedience, God still let them. Have we become unthankful for God's presence in our life? They said, well, you know, they were looking at men. They were looking at men's sons. They were looking at all the other stuff, making excuse. But truly, they were just not thankful for God's presence and for faithful followers. I mean, come on. Samuel. Samuel from Hannah's prayer to God's call on his life with Eli all the way through his life, Samuel had been a man of God. Do you know, and I I know Samuel was born into sin like everybody else. Y'all heard me on that, right? But you know, he's one of very few in the whole entire, entire scripture that records any story about Samuel that no sin's ever mentioned about his life. Once again, He was a sinner, needed salvation like everyone else. But God, through the Holy Spirit, never saw fit that had to add a failure of his life in there. That's the kind of man Samuel was. And yet they rejected that kind of leadership. And so what does this lead to? Look at verse 6. So they used excuses because they were unthankful, which leads to their wants and wishes. It said, the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, listen to me, hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. Now I want you to hear this. When you feel attacked, when you feel rejected, when you feel the target, listen to what God said. For they've not rejected you. They rejected me that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto you. Now, now therefore hearken unto their voice howbeit yet protest solemnly into them. even in the midst of this, God was pleading with them to do the right thing. Protest solemnly unto them. Don't be angry, be broken, be earnest, be sincere. let them know that you do not agree that you want the best and this is not the best. and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. You know the problem with us today? Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give and so what happens is we say, God, I, I want this, whatever this is. And so we make this, let's just say money. Our desire, our, our our want, our our efforts. We, we give up time with our children. We give up our relationship with our wife. We do whatever we give up with our husband. It's just as guilty for women. We crown money in our lives. And whether it's vocation or maybe recreation, we crown it. He said, give me, give me more time off. Give me more time, more fun things. I want to have fun. Maybe it's family. They're my whole heart. I'm going to tell you something. If your children are your whole heart, you've got an empty heart. Because God doesn't reign supreme over it. I know that's not popular. But that's Biblical. God comes first, then family, and then ministry. See, the problem is we won't give me, give me, give me. We want relationships. We want prosperity. We want uh, a recreation. We want vocation. We want vacation. We want, we want, we want, we want. And we plead. Oh, please come to church. I'm going to tell you something. If we have to depend, and we don't, but if we had to depend on our faithfulness to get us to church, to get us into heaven, how many would be going? What if it was our desire for the Word of God? And yet we will work ourselves silly for things. that moths and rust corrupts and things that thieves break through and steal. I'll never forget uh, when Becky's brother went off to the Navy, uh, he left stuff with me, safekeeping, left me a motorcycle and some guns and stuff, Uh, sold the motorcycle. I could have really enjoyed keeping it for him a little longer. Uh, but he left me, he had a shotgun that he had gotten when he was younger, a little, man. It was a Winchester Ranger 20-gauge automatic. Wasn't fancy, wasn't expensive, but man, I'd shoot birds with that thing. I loved shooting that little 20-gauge automatic. Can't find them anymore. And so I had it for years. I'd take it to Texas hunting every year and all this stuff. Well, then his son got a little older. And he wanted to start going hunting a little bit. And so I took that gun completely apart. I mean, I cleaned everything. I soaked every piece. I did everything. It was like an absolutely brand new gun. I said, here's your gun. John, sell it to him. Well, no, Mason, needs. I said, just let me keep it. He don't have any place to hunt in Charleston. I said, all y'all do is go water and... Right around in boats. It ain't nowhere to hunt. Well, if we go, I said, just leave it. No. I said, okay, it's your gun. He took it and about six months later, somebody broke in his house. And that was one of the things they got going. It made me sicker than it made him. Somebody probably sold that thing, pawned it for 25 bucks. I don't know. My point is, things are things. You ever had something you really cherished and some kind of freak accident got broke? We all do. See, the problem is there's no real desire for God. We want things. Even in church, we 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 paint this facade up and it looks like we really want something, but do we really have a desire? Are we willing to come and pray? Uh, They called me the other day and said, hey, are we going to have Sunday night service on December 29th? Yes, we are. We're going to have a prayer time. Listen, when's the last time we were willing to come and just pray? Come together. You mean we're not going to sing? Maybe not. You know, when David's son lay dying, he didn't sing. He fasted and prayed. People are dying going to hell all around us. There's a time to sing. There's a time to rejoice, but there's a time to be broken and weep. There's a time to pray and get serious before God. Are we willing to really desire God and do what it takes? You see, their wants and wishes got him to this point. He said, you better listen. You tell them. You tell them what kind of man they're going to get. You tell him what, you tell them what they're going to do. And Samuel looked at him and said, you have being warned. God said it this way through the psalmists. He granted their request but he sent leanness into their souls. You know what the problem is? Too many churches and too many Christians have had their prayers answered. God give them what they want. God give them a big house and a lot of money. God give them all the things, all the bells and whistles that they thought it would take. But the more bells and whistles we have, the less we hear God's still small voice. Hey, I'm all for cool stuff. I'm all for big stuff. I'm I'm, I'm down with new stuff. I love it. But not at the expense of God's presence. You have been warned. And so what happened? Well, you see what happens in these wants and wishes is we capitulate the commands to get what we want. Think about it. All the Ten Commandments, the fullness of the Ten Commandments were broken by saying we want a king. They no longer saw God as the only God as holy. That God... Couldn't take care of them by themselves. By himself. You see, it was a corrupt ethic. They placed situational ethics or rule utilitarianism into their life where it said, hey, this is not the best thing. It's not working. Look at our situation. We're willing to do whatever it takes to make us all happy. I'm going to tell you something. Christians don't live by situation. We live by faith. Revelation warned us of a a group called the Epicureans that their belief was whatever feels good, do it. They don't call them that today. They just call them godless, I don't know, everyday people who feel like, hey, we can do whatever we want. And then we have the those who follow the idea of empiricism. Well, the data shows this is what works. I'm going to tell you something. God says my ways are not your ways. And you cannot apply worldly logic to an illogical God. When God answered one king's prayer, he said, how will I know you're you're going to do this? Like, we need a sign. He said, well, I can do whatever I want. I can... I can move the shadow forward. I can move it backward. He said, well, move it backward. And he moved the shadow on the clock back 10 degrees. God can do whatever. He can stop time. He can speed it up. God can do whatever he wants. And yet, we think if the numbers don't match, it's not worth doing. If God said do it, bless God, do it. Joey, did it make good sense to have Night to Shine even begin to prepare with the numbers that we saw raw on paper? Where's 557 volunteers going to come from? Where's $28,000 going to come from? It ain't in the budget. Not last year. It was nowhere in general fund. There was no unrestricted money that could be used. Uh, What are we going to do? We're going to trust the Lord because God said do it. And here's what's really cool. Joey is repeated this time and time again. Joey didn't do it. Joey was used by God. Brother Matt didn't do it. I got to go out and dance. Ellie didn't do it. Philip didn't do it. Penny didn't do it. Nobody did it. We all just got to experience God did it. God did it. Come on. Even Forrest Gump figure that out. God, God is the one who does it. God brought them through Egypt. God brought them through plagues. God brought them through famine. God delivered them from the Ammonites and the Jebusites and every other eye you can think of. God said, It's your land, go take it. Yeah. We still want a king. Okay. Look at the repercussions. He said in verse 10, Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. You don't know why kids leave after high school. You don't know why they quit coming when they get driver's license. He said this will be the manner. When you forget me, when you make excuses, when you Stop being thankful. This is what's going to happen. The king shall reign over you. He will take your sons. He will appoint them for himself, his, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. He will appoint him captains over thousands, over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground, to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And He'll take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to His servants. And He will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give them to His officers and to His servants. He'll take your men servants, your maid servants, your goodliest young men uh, uh, and all uh, of your animals and he'll put them all to work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and you shall be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. The repercussions we're losing our kids because they're simply acting out what they have saw in our lives. Listen to me. When you bow the knee to the crown of recreation, vacation, prosperity, and anything else that you making an excuse not to worship, not to be faithful in your local church, in front of your kids growing up, then don't come complaining to God and the preacher when they won't darken the doors when they get out of school. Because they're only doing what you taught them. Now I still pray for them, because we all fail the grace of God. But if we want to change the culture, then we got to put this back on the place it belongs. Y'all hear me? It belongs on one. There are many, many crowns. There's only one king. Y'all hear me? There's only one king that can do something about it. There's only one that can... Separate time. There's only one who can send his only son who could be born of a virgin, live without sin, die vicarious death, and through the glorious resurrection, become the advocate, the mediator, the intercessor for mankind. See, it's a generational problem. We're losing our kids because they're simply doing what we taught. We say, oh, it's not going to hurt. We let them see, look at stuff un, uh, uh, unchecked, unchallenged. I know it's hard. Listen, you think, you think every parent loves to get on to their kids? Some like it a little more than they should. Man, if it doesn't break your heart, something's wrong. But you cannot avoid doing it just because it hurts. They need to know right from wrong. and They need to see it. Church, we're losing our children because we've chosen the kings of this world. We're, the loss of God, God gave them possession. But you know where we end at the end of the Chronicles? When, when we end with Jehoiakim and, and Jehoiakim, when we end with all that, we see them piled up in Babylon because God allowed them to be taken exile and rejected. Lord's willing, I'm going over there in January. I got a thing, our last day, we're going to go down by the Dead Sea and go through Jericho and even going to Masada and then back to spend the night in Jerusalem. There's a lot of history in that one little statement I just made. Because we see God brought them back in 1948. But all the way back to Old Testament times, they went into Egypt. They went into Babylon. They were in into every place you can imagine, into Persia, where God allowed other people to defeat them because they had turned their backs on God. And then in AD 70, God allowed the Romans to put the smackdown on Israel. Even though they had rained some, they still stayed in the land. They come through, burnt the place to the ground, burnt the temple, tore it down, cut every tree to the ground. And it was not until 1948 that they declared independence again. Even that place Masada back in those days when they ran for protection, they ended up all dying on the top of this mountain rather than surrendering. You see, God had given them land. God has given us our children. God has given us the prosperity of living in this country we live in. But we're losing it because we're not doing anything about it. In the practical terms, vote. Vote. Stop buying into the lie that Christians shouldn't talk politics or be involved in politics. We need Christians leading the way. We need Christians in sports. We need Christians in politics. We need Christians in the public arena. We need believers everywhere there is. Because you know what? God honored the country when Daniel and his three buddies were there. God honored the country when Joseph was there. God didn't call us to rule and reign, but God calls us to advise and to explain who He is. We will lose our God-given possessions. You can't lose your salvation, but you can sure lose your blessing. You can lose your fellowship. You see, the bottom line is, you'll pay the price. The price will be paid when we elevate other things to be what God never meant to be. You see, they were, they were focused on failures rather than a faithful God. Every man-made king has failed. you know that? Every man-made king has failed. Jesus never will. There are many crowns, but there's only one king. Are we thankful enough to come tell him? Are we thankful to say, God... I've had my eyes on things. I have crowned my education. I have crowned my vocation. I have crowned my laying aside for the future and what I want out of life and what I think would make me successful. God, I want to lay that crown down at your feet today. We're talking about casting the crowns at His feet in glory. We need to be casting them at His feet today the old song it says, crown him with many crowns. We need to crown him in faith knowing that he is the one to depend on for everything. Hey, he'll give us vocation. He'll give us recreation. He told his guys, he said, come on, let's go fishing. Right? He said, hey, come over here and sit down let's eat. Let's just go up here and get away from the crowd and rest a little while. He'll give you rest." rest and relaxation but what you got to do is give him your heart as they come to the instruments this morning. Who wears the crown in your home? Who wears the crown in your life? It's Thanksgiving. I always love to see the pictures of the kids with their pillowcase Indian outfits They're turkey feathers and they're handmade, you know. I love all that stuff. I love this time of season. Love it. Probably because we hunt during this time. (laughs) The hunting's better than the turkey part any day. But the truth is that pilgrims, Indians, history, all that is important. But what we're thankful for is the God of that provision. The God of bringing us to America. The God of our forefathers who threw off the absolute despotism of an ungodly, worldly king who failed with his great army of red cokes to a band of ragtag musket-toting farmers put the smack down on them. And we celebrate all the other holidays except for Easter and Christmas because of that. You hear me? Memorial Day, Veterans Day, Fourth of July, Flag Day, all because somebody stood up and said, God wants us to be free and worship Him, not the King. Today, May we put Him on the throne. He belongs. May we say, God, thank You for blessing me. Everything I eat this week, everything I do this week, may You be glorified in it. May I pause, not in some ceremonial prayer, but may I fall on my face and thank You, Father, for without You there is no hope. If you don't know Jesus, you'll die and go to hell. You can be thankful for all the pilgrims and Indians in the world. You can thank the Lord or not thank Him for Christopher Columbus, for the militia. You can be so pro-gun, pro-Second Amendment, pro-militia, and die and go to hell if you're not pro-Jesus. Whatever you need to deal with today, maybe it's just to fall on your face and say thank you. May we worship Him in obedience. Stand. Stand and come if God is leading. Thank Him this morning.